fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What a day we've had. It is the middle of the week, the greatest day of the entire week. Welcome into the program. Boy, big night last night, eh? Everybody excited, right? Everybody's all giddy about what happened last night. I'm getting mixed reviews, honestly. <laughs> I'm getting mixed reviews. I still think it's positive. I think we had a good night overall with some of the announcements that were made. But boy, oh boy, are we already starting with the divisiveness in the Republican Party. We'll get to all that in just a minute. Welcome into the show. What's up? Great to have you along for the ride. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Thank you so much for tuning in and giving us the love and support that you do every single day. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Bottom of the hour, Congressman Bob Latta, 5th District of Ohio. We have him on about a monthly basis to get his update. He's officially back in Washington, D.C. They are trying to work on some legislation now. We have some major battles we need to address here relatively soon. And we're also getting ready for a leadership change. Has it been confirmed yet? Hold on. Let me do a quick Google search. House of Arizona. Has it been confirmed? We're still sitting 217 seats. So nothing's been confirmed as of yet. A couple districts lingering out there. We will make the majority for the House. It's just frustrating and painstakingly slow. We are now day number eight after the election and still don't have some of the final results in across the nation. That is absolutely pathetic. How could you? How dare you? drag things out like this it just shows the corruption in the system altogether we'll get into some of that here a little bit later and we'll talk with congressman bob latta for those that don't know we have a continuing resolution issue that we need to address by i don't know the next few weeks because by january or december 3rd i believe december 3rd or 4th we have the end of our federal budget again because our federal budget in september didn't get passed so therefore we did a continuing resolution to the end of the year like we have the last few years. And then by this time, while you're trying to celebrate your holidays and your Christmas and all your great celebrations for the end of the year, the government's going to be battling on whether we fund the government again through a federal budget or just through a massive omnibus bill of saying, you know what, we're just going to pass and spend the exact same that what we have been with some additional spending because we're not spending enough already. Record tax revenue coming in and we still can't stay within that budget with the record amount of money that we're seeing come into the government. So we're just going to pass another omnibus bill. I'm telling you, I really hope that the U.S. House of Representatives has some grip on this when we get the Republican majority. It's unlikely, as we see the leadership probably with uh, Kevin McCarthy as a potential Speaker of the House and the wishy-washiness of some of the Republicans when we only may have a five to seven House seat majority. And a lot of those Democrats could be going to the other side, especially when it comes down to it of either we shut down the government and people will die. So we'll get to all that here coming up on the show. Plus, I have to remind you that as we do go into the holiday season and Thanksgiving, that the inflation is outrageous. If you are able to get a Thanksgiving turkey, it will be extremely expensive. And if you don't believe that it's going to go up even higher, then just look at the United Kingdom. It's the same trend that happens with fashion, 
and with politics and with ideas. It always starts in the UK and then it slowly trickles in and bleeds over here as well. And then it starts on the coasts on the country and then works its way to the inner parts of the nation, again, with fashion or economics or trends or whatever. But the UK is hitting a 41-year high of inflation at 11.1% as food and energy prices continue to soar as they've got on the crazy bandwagon of green new energy. They've cut their coal. They've cut their oil. They have nowhere else to go. And now it's expensive and people can't afford it. What a shocker. And yet we're going to go down that same road here in the United States. Germany, on the other hand, is like, yeah, we're going to start actually building coal plants after we just tore them down a few years ago. We're going to rebuild some new ones because energy is really expensive and we're seeing blackouts right now because we can't buy it from Russia. Couldn't see that coming. Man, what a crazy concept. But let's get into what's trending today. I'm sure you are itching to discuss what happened last night. What's trending today? And uh, the big announcement officially from the big man himself and not talking about Joe Biden here as the big guy, but the actual other big guy. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. That was Donald Trump announcing his official announcement for the presidency of 2024, just a week after the midterm elections. And according to many, it's been kind of mixed reviews of Donald Trump announcing his presidency. Obviously, there's big excitement from some. There is concern of others. And I'm interested to hear on what your thoughts are about that concern. Is it the divisiveness? Is it his unelectability? Is it the fact that the Democrats may try to pull the shenanigans they did last election to do it all over again? I got to be honest, listening to the entire speech last night, I was cautious yet optimistic. And I walked away with it feeling very confident. Because he said some things that he needed to say that I think put some ease into some people's minds. Uh, we'll see how this actually goes. But he kicked it right off about some of the progress, uh, progress and some of the successes that he saw during his administration, especially economically, that I think should be the focal point of the election going into the next two years. Two years ago, when I left office, the United States stood ready for its golden age. Our nation was at the pinnacle of power, prosperity, and prestige towering above all rivals, vanquishing all enemies, and striding into the future, confident and so strong. In four short years, everybody was doing great. Men, women, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, everybody was thriving like never before. There was never a time like this. We turned the page on decades of globalist sellouts and one-sided trade deals, lifted millions out of poverty, and together we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. When the virus hit our shores, I took decisive action and saved lives and the U.S. economy. And by October of the same year, America was roaring back with the number one fastest economic recovery ever recorded. How about that? How about that? I think he focused on the positives of what he has done as president and what he plans on doing again. And I think that was the sigh of relief that we needed. It wasn't the focus that many had concerns on of I should just get the nomination and I should be president because of what happened in 2020 with the election fraud or whatever else. It didn't go that way. And in fact, I was very happy that it didn't go that way because he focused on some really positive things. We're in for it here for the next few years still. 
And we have to acknowledge that even with Republicans running in the House of Representatives, I said it the last couple of days, I am concerned about the leadership. We just saw Mitch McConnell uh, be chosen as the minority leader again for the Republicans. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. I am concerned about the leadership in the Republican Party. I am concerned about Kevin McCarthy because you know what's going to happen. We've seen this story time and time again. Republicans have a slim majority in the House of Representatives. Democrats are going to still try and ram through their legislation in the Senate and through the presidency, calling on action to get something done because we have to do, quote unquote, something. And then when Republicans in the House don't get on board, then the media will run with the slander, with the attack ads, and with the hate from the Democrats saying that Republicans either need to get on board and quote-unquote compromise, which, again, you know the definition of compromise today, which is just give up your morals and values and just go along with what they want because they are more important than you, and their agenda justifies the ends, justify the means, and therefore it's all okay. So therefore, just get on board or else you are the worst person on the face of the earth. I don't think Kevin McCarthy has the spine to stand up to that. In fact, I don't think there are I think there are a few House members that do not have the spine to stand up for that. And with the slim majority we will have in the House of Representatives by maybe five, six, seven different votes in the House, I sense that when it comes down to it with, say, an omnibus bill, although they won't be in power for this one, or a gun bill, or a government expansion bill, or whatever other project may come out, I don't think that Republicans will be able to stand strong because there will be those 10 Republicans in that caucus of 225. There'll be 10 of them that end up saying, yeah, we can't shut down the government. We can't let the government shut down because people will die in the streets. And then we will have those that branch out that will vote with the Democrats to get something done while the rest of the Republicans vote against it. And then they say that they stood principled knowing that it wasn't going to stand strong, knowing that it was going to fail, but they voted against it to have it on their record while the other ones, the compromisable ones, ended up voting with Democrats, and then we still have ridiculous, absurd left-wing legislation go through the nation. I am very concerned about that, and I do not think Kevin McCarthy will be able to rally his troops in his caucus. I am concerned. We talked with Steve Scalise, the House, uh, House Minority Whip, and hopefully he can rally them, but there will always be those outliers. Why? Because we've expanded the Republican umbrella so wide that there are some that uh, believe in Democrat values while going under the R name because they realize it's easier to get elected that way in their local districts across the nation. That is our concern. So we are in for a long haul. We are in for high inflation that will peak at 11 12% still. We will, are in for a long haul for gas prices. Look, they cannot artificially keep gas prices as low as they are right now. They were hoping to do that through the election. They cannot keep it that low for the next two years. They can't. They cannot keep inflation this low, and I say 8% being low, which is absurd and ridiculous. They cannot keep it this low artificially for two years. They were able to stamp it down during election time to say things aren't that bad, but now that that's done, they can't maintain that for the next two years. So it's going to be in Republicans' favor and in Donald Trump's favor of how bad the economy is going into 2024 if we can hold out that long. And I think he did a very good job. In fact, the only thing he mentioned about the whole fraud thing during the speech yesterday was uh, with China, which I got to be honest, I missed him saying China. But as he talks about the economy, he talks about what he's going to do to make the country better. That's all we have to focus on in this election is what the economy is doing under Biden, because it will get worse. And we can use that as our arson, unfortunately, 
because it's going to get that bad. But when it came to the whole fraud in the election thing, I think that was the big concern for everybody. Not policy. Donald Trump's not going to talk policy. He's going to talk about the 2020 election. And this is all he said about it. No president had ever sought or received $1 for our country from China until I came along and we were getting hundreds of billions of dollars. Many people think that because of this, China played a very active role in the 2020 election. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> it was kind of funny. That's all he said. Did that put you at ease if you are concerned about Donald Trump? Did that put you at ease that he's not going to play the victim throughout the entire campaign, knowing that that's not going to get him anywhere? Did that put you at ease in this race? The biggest issue that I've heard so far from those that are the outliers that do not want Trump to be the nominee, that are fighting him tooth and nail, the biggest issue that I've heard is that he is too divisive, that he is too controversial, and that he cannot win because he turns a lot of people off from wanting to support him. And I respectfully disagree with that argument. There are other arguments to be made about him not becoming the candidate. And I am obviously not endorsing anybody this early in the game, especially. We're going to see some really great candidates. We're going to see some really great people throw their hat in the ring. And I'm really excited to see what that's going to turn out like uh, as we get closer to the election. I'm sad that we're going to be exhausted because we haven't had a break from the midterms this year. But I am excited to see who else is going to throw their hat in the ring and how this is going to play out. The only concern I've heard from people is that is he is too divisive. Is that true? And is that going to be a deal breaker for you as we go into the presidential race of 2024? We'll talk about some of that when we come back here in just a second. Plus, we'll have our Congressman Bob Ladder that we talked with just a little bit ago. We'll have him on the program at the bottom of the hour as well. So a lot of ground to cover today, obviously, a lot of things to get to. What did Donald Trump do? What did he talk about last night? And did it win over the base that is concerned about him? All that and more coming up here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Our victory will be built upon big ideas, bold ambitions, and daring dreams for America's future. We need daring dreams. It is not enough merely to complain or oppose. We don't want to be critics. We don't want to be complainers. I never wanted to be a critic. I never respected critics. They tell people what's wrong, but they can't do it themselves. We will win because we will fight with every measure of our strength and with every ounce of our energy to lift up the working men and working women of America and to restore the fabric of this nation. The radical left Democrats have embraced an extreme ideology of government domination and control. Our approach is the opposite, one based on freedom, values, individual responsibility, and just plain common sense it's common sense i i gotta admit i know for a guy who's not the most articulate and says some really weird things in the huge in the bigly and it's wonderful and he just repeats himself over and over i gotta admit i've missed hearing his patriotic hoorah conservative speeches i gotta admit it's a beautiful speech. It's a beautiful thing to hear someone actually say these things and actually mean it and actually fight for it. And it's a wonderful thing. So whether people want Donald Trump or don't want Donald Trump, it's it's nice to hear. It's a fresh a breath a breath of fresh air 
I can speak today. It's a breath of fresh air, especially with what we've had to go through with Joe Biden over the last couple of years, because he doesn't talk like that. In fact, all we get from him is that, well, people want the, the government. People yield their rights. People want this stuff. Most people, the vast majority of Americans are hoping that their government just takes care of the problem. <laughs> That's what we get from what's in the leadership right now. That was a beautiful speech and that we're not the party of the complainers. And while people are concerned about him going out and talking about the 2020 election, he came out strong. He talked about some policy and he talks about what he wants to do as a president again and bring back his administration. And I think that was the best way for it. For those that are concerned about him being too divisive, here's the words that I have for you and take it or leave it with however you want. And again, this is not trying to endorse Donald Trump and say he's going to be our nominee. This is the pure speculation standing back and just observing that whether you like it or not, if some don't like Donald Trump, that he is a major influential player in the Republican Party right now. He has major amounts of funds that he's going to come in with to be able to have a strong campaign. And he's created one of the strongest movements internally within the Republican Party since the Tea Party. And the MAGA movement is way bitter, bigger than what the Tea Party ever was. So for those that are saying he's too divisive, too controversial, that's going to turn off voters, it's going to t turn people away from voting, here's my words of wisdom to you, is that you're never, ever, ever going to win Democrats over to, win, to vote as Republicans. You're never going to do it. It's not going to happen. The squishy middle of the road, I don't know what I stand for, uh, you're never going to win them over. They will go to the, they say that to get the attention. They say that because they like the attention focused on them in the elections, but there are fewer and fewer of those every single year in the divisive politics that we are already in. Now, yes, Trump is one of the more divisive characters out there, and he definitely fuels the fire for that, but we are in a divisive political realm already. There are very few of those squishy middle-of-the-road, I-don't-know-what-I-stand-for-you-have-to-win-me-over types. You're either a Republican or you're a Democrat now, and the Democrats are not going to swing over and vote for Republicans. It didn't work for John McCain. It didn't work for Mitt Romney. It didn't work for Dr. Oz. It didn't work for George Bush. George Bush was a moderate, middle-of-the-road establishment guy, and he was called a Nazi left and right. That's really when the hatred began on the Democrat side. Getting someone that's going to try and, quote-unquote, play nice with the other side is not going to do any favors. In fact, John McCain and Mitt Romney, while they did go up against a major Hall player like Barack Obama, the Republican voter turnout was the lowest that the Republican Party had ever seen for those two candidates, even with the hatred against Barack Obama. So don't tell me that someone that's going to be middle of the road to play nice is going to win over people because it's not. I don't care about the divisiveness. We're already in a divisive world. Donald Trump is just the product of that, and he's going to be on our side to overturn the tables from them. That should be a non-factor here. It's what his policies are and what he could do with an administration, which he has a proven record of doing. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride on the program. Really happy to have this guy back on the show after obviously winning his election. And as we get ready for our new session, heading back to Washington, D.C. from the 5th Congressional District of the state of Ohio. Really happy to have back on the program with us here, Congressman Bob Latta. Congressman, how are you, my friend? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, it's always good to talk with you. There's a lot going on, obviously, with some announcements that were happening over the last few days. Uh, Congressman, I am a little frustrated, though. We are a week after the midterm elections, and we still don't have races called across the nation, Arizona being one of the ones that took the longest. We still have a couple of House seats lingering in Colorado and California. What the heck's taking so long out there? Well, once again, you know, this is what the Democrats want to do. They want to have all mail-in ballots, and the way some of these states like Pennsylvania, they don't open up their absentee ballots until the night of the election. You know, in in the state of Ohio, pretty much by 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, we usually have one or two counties out of 88 that might have had some kind of a glitch on something to get all their final returns in, but we're done. But uh, these states that have, uh, you know, under under the federal constitution, the states are the ones that are supposed to run their elections. And we don't want, you know, to federalize elections like the Democrats want to do. But, again, to see how, you know, these states uh, are saying that uh, how long they can get their ballots in after the the date that the election. And so it's just like this ongoing, like almost like a drip, drip, drip to finally get their election returns in. Yeah, it is frustrating. We're slowly trickling in, but right now it is anticipated that we're going to take the House of Representatives, which is nice. We're not quite there yet. We're about a seat or two short until we officially hit that 218 mark for the majority. But moving forward, going into the new session and some of the priorities, you actually get to work with not having Nancy Pelosi be your boss in the House of Representatives, which is amazing. Talk about the process right now. How are, I've heard that Kevin McCarthy's kind of taken the first hurdle. I don't know that I necessarily want him to be Speaker of the House, but we'll take that over Pelosi. What do you think the House of Representatives may look like moving forward, and what could we potentially get done here? Well, you know, number one, it's really important that we do have the gavels because, again, if everybody knows that this is out-of-control spending that the Democrats have done over the last almost two years now, that they've, uh, you know, not only they've run up the, the national debt, the interest that we have to pay on it, but also inflation's gone wild because of all the government spending. So, you know, we, we put forward a, what we call, you know, our commitment to America that we're, what we're going to do is exactly what we said, that, number one, you know, we got to get inflation under control. We're going to stop this, again, this, the way that this, this, this spending that's going on. We want to make sure that we get a, a national energy policy out there that, number one, that we want to become North American energy independent. So, you know, when Joe Biden became president, the gas prices were around $2.32. And, you know, look, look at the gas pumps where they are today, depending where you are. I was in Nevada uh, several weeks ago, and gas out there, uh, I was at uh, the only lithium production site in the the United States, but gas out in Nevada is $5.69 at that time. So we want to make sure that you can put fuel in your car and heat your home and not go bankrupt doing it. And we also want to make sure that we secure the southern border because not only for all of the uh, illegals that are coming in, but all of the drugs, the fentanyl that are coming in that the Democrats don't even want to talk about, and also about this crime that's happening across the country. So those are going to be the priorities of the Republicans in the House of Representatives as we start in January. It's going to be really nice. I'm going to love seeing these bills actually move forward and come out of the House of Representatives. Hopefully we can see some unity from the Republicans to get this done. The struggle is going to be, obviously, since we didn't get the majority in the U.S. Senate and we still have a Democrat president, how difficult is it going to be to work with the other chambers? And the bigger question, I think, is going to be is when they try to promote their agenda, are we going to stand our ground 
when we battle about things like the budget with the continuing resolution that comes up in December here shortly, when they try to pass their legislation and we stop it, and then they start blaming us for the government shutdowns or blaming us for not working together, which we know is going to happen soon, and we have to be prepared for that. Well, you know, hopefully what we're going to see over the Senate, because right now it's 50-49, it, uh, totes to the Democrat, but uh, hopefully that uh, in Georgia, in that runoff election there, that uh, Walker will win. And then at least over there, you'll have to have more shared type uh, uh, legislation over in the Senate. But, of course, the uh, vice president breaks all ties. So, you know, hopefully what we'll see is that the uh, we'll be able to move legislation from the House and get it over to the Senate uh, so that they'll have to, you know, hopefully take it up. Otherwise, we're going to, but uh, we're going to see a couple of, you know, another two years of night seeing uh, the American people getting uh, the help that they need. Yeah. But I, I'll guarantee everybody this, that, you know, what we've seen in the last two years with total Democratic control in the House, the Senate, and the President, and them just ramming things through and running up these bills, that uh, the one thing that we're going to be able to say is no, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. They won't be able to get the bills through the House. That's going to be nice. Yeah, we can actually stop and slow down some of that progress, and that's going to build us up into another big election coming up in two years, which i got to ask you briefly about. Obviously, last night was the announcement from former President Donald Trump for his announcement to run for president again, and obviously this is going to shake up not just Washington, D.C., but the Republican Party as well. Regardless of what our nominee is, is it too soon to be looking at the 2024 election, or is it the proper time for us to keep uh, the agenda in line and keep our goals in front of us for the Republicans to know what we need to do to build up to that point. Well, you know, as we started off with, we, we were still not done with the 2022 election cycle. Uh, <laughs> not only in the House don't we have our majority yet, and of course they had the runoff election in Georgia, so I, I'm, I'm still uh, working on the 2022. Yeah. We've got to get through this before we can really look over the horizon for 2024. That is very true. That is very true. We're talking with Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th Congressional District of Ohio. You had mentioned some of the immigration stuff. That's a major issue right now. Some of the recent border crossings in the numbers for October, they continue to get worse. We're not doing anything about this. The Biden administration's completely looking the other way. We're not even talking about it really on the national front or from the mainstream media. But this is something that has to be addressed. What can we do to start making this issue a top priority for Washington, D.C.? Well, and the other thing that, uh, as Republicans holding the gavels in the House, we we get to now hold the uh, the hearings that we want to have, and we're going to bring in and hold accountable the Biden administration. And so you're going to start right with the secretaries and and all the department heads and bring them in before a committee and have to answer these tough questions. Because when you look at the southern border, and, you know, first of all, you know, you're right, the mainstream media is not talking about 230,000 people crossing into the United States illegally that they caught. That, you know, they, they or surrendered or whatever you want to say when they come across. Those are that group. They, there's a whole bunch that they never even got a hold of. But the other part of it is, is again, with when you think about the fentanyl that's crossing our southern border that killed over 70,000 Americans last year of that 108,000 people that died from overdoses, this is the thing that the Democrats can't talk about because if they start talking about the drugs coming across the border, they then have to admit the border is open and it's broken. So that's why you hear nothing coming from the other side, because they can't talk about it. But that's something that we're going to do, and we're going to, you know, we'll hold hearings down on the border. 
And again, right now, all we can do as Republicans is go down there individually and and meet with people and meet with officials. But all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing hearings taking place and and hearings being conducted down there. And the media will have to start covering this. Yeah, well, they're going to have to. Yeah, I mean, we can't ignore it forever. And uh, I think that's what they've been wanting to do, at least until after the elections. Now they can try and work on uh, something different. As we go into the holidays here, it's been another issue, obviously, with the economy, inflation, the uh, mainstream media, the Democrats, the Federal Reserve. They're proud because inflation has finally dropped to 8% instead of 9% in the nation. But the consumer debt, household debt, has hit a uh, another record high since, what, like 2007? 2006, something like that. We continue to battle these high inflation rates along with high gas prices, like you mentioned. Going into Thanksgiving next week, uh, how is this inflation going to be affecting us? We're expecting to see turkeys, if we can even get some with supply chain issues and with the bird flu that's come out this year, we may not even see proper Thanksgiving or we might not be able to get what we need to for Thanksgiving because of high inflation. When could we potentially see inflation rates continue to drop and get the economy back on track? Again, when you look at it on Thanksgiving, you know it's going to cost you 14, 15, 16 percent more this year than it cost you last year to have the same Thanksgiving dinner. And that's you're right. That's if you can get the same food that you had last year. And so, you know, again, this this comes right back down to, you know, why did this happen? Well, again, if you spend 1.9 trillion dollars like the Democrats did in one piece of legislation last year and don't pay for it, everything starts going up in cost. And then, again, when you start thinking about our farmers are out there, you know, in northwest Ohio and across uh, northern Ohio right now, they're out uh, pretty much taking off the, hopefully, the end of the corn crop and the end of the, uh, with the soybeans. But when you look at the uh, farmers out there, they've got a real crisis. I've been getting calls from farmers in my district saying they can't get diesel fuel. And all of a sudden, you know, you're out in the middle of the field and your your combine runs out. That's it. And so, you know, we have these shortages. And again, why do we have the shortages? Well, again, if we're not producing our own energy and having that source here, that's, that's a major problem. And at the same time, you're going to be paying more for it if it's coming from a foreign source. I want people to remember that uh, when the Republicans controlled the House and the Senate and President Trump was in office, and we were passing these pieces of legislation, making sure that we get our energy supplies up, this is what helped drive the economy and uh, kept costs down. Because, again, we also use uh, natural gas and uh, oil to make different types of fertilizers. And, of course, if all of a sudden those prices are going up, uh, that means the farmers' costs are going up. So all this is, a, is just kind of like a, a domino effect, but it all starts with the president and the, and the Democrats. That is, that was Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. We sat down with him just a little bit ago. And now, if you want to hear that entire interview like usual, every month when we chat with him, he gives us way more time than what we can hear on this program. we got about another 15, 20 minutes or so of that conversation. We'll upload that as an additional special feature of our podcast, which you can subscribe to at any of your favorite podcasting sites. Just search The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You can subscribe and you can listen to this show along with the extended interview that we did with Congressman Bob Latta. One more segment when we come back right around the corner for a midweek celebration right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Latta coming on the show. We love chatting with him every single month from the 5th District of Ohio. Ohio, you got some good ones there. You have Bob Latta. You have Jim Jordan. You got some work to do on your governor's race, although he won with, like, what, triple, double, double digits, 20-plus points in the state of Ohio. So, you guys got some good stuff going on there. We just need to push a little bit further. It's difficult, and you guys are doing spectacular because of the fact that you have to go up against unions that are so strong in the state of Ohio. Teachers unions and the auto unions and all these other ridiculous unions in the state of Ohio that dominate politics there. So the fact that you still have a solid Republican legislature, a Republican governor, Republican Congress, you guys are doing well. So congratulations. My hat's off to you, especially for J.D. Vance, a big win there over the Democrat incumbent. So that was a huge victory. While Again, while others say that Donald Trump was the fault of us not having this massive landslide, again, there's not a lot of the middle of the road ones to win over any longer. I was listening to some political experts uh, here in Kansas throughout the day today while I was doing some news coverage. And they were right. It really it's, it's what I've been trying to say, but they articulated it way better than I did, I think, on this issue was that there's not much of an up for grabs vote that's in the middle any longer. The political spectrum has changed so much that there's not in the, it's all over the country in general. There's not the I'm up for grabs mentality any longer you are it's so divisive you know where the candidates stand you know where the parties stand you are either on the republican side or you are on the democrat side or you are a third party candidate that is adamant the two-party system sucks and you want nothing to do with it or they're the ones that want nothing to do with politics just in general there's four categories there that's all (laughs) that's all you have there's no longer that massive group in the middle that's like you know you have to win me over there's a small fraction of what that used to be now It is, can you get people to turn out to vote that's on your side? And I think now, especially with the Republican Party, this is going to be our next challenge, is what direction do we go? With the small fraction that is the up for grabs, middle of the road, I'm not quite sure I'm going to base it on the candidate, not based on the party. There's a small fraction of those that are in the middle, the moderates, the independent, the one that's like, I'm a free thinker and I believe in relatively high taxes, but not too high taxes because I also like the private sector. Again, that's apparently the moderate approach. Don't know what exactly that means. You can either appeal to that group or you go to the base and you appeal to the ones that are that are slowly but surely peeling off because they want to go third party because the party doesn't represent them any longer. That's the decision you have. The Republican Party right now is such a wide umbrella that you either go further to the left to try and pander to the ones over there to win them over and bring them back, or you go further to, quote-unquote, the right, which isn't really going further to the right because we're not, like, radically right or anything by any means, Uh, but you go further to the right to win over the ones that are upset that are going to the, quote-unquote, purest parties like the Libertarian or the Constitution Party or the Independent Party or something like that. The optimism that I have for the party is that we are winning over demographics that have primarily before not gone to the Republican Party because Democrats have finally played their last card and lied to them enough. And Donald Trump mentioned it during his speech last night. Many have noted that huge gains we have made with Latino voters, and I believe we will set even greater records with this crucial vote in 2024. The Hispanic voter, the Latino voter has been... Unbelievable. Great people, very entrepreneurial people, and they want security. And everyone thought when I did the wall, I built the wall, and they thought, oh, that would hurt me with the Hispanic vote. No, 
it helped me because they understood. They wanted safety, they wanted security, they, and they understood the border better than anybody else. He is 110% correct, which is why we saw candidates like Myra Flores, which is why we saw candidates all over Texas, which is why Democrats themselves openly came out during the election and said they're writing off many districts in the state of Texas at the state legislative level because it's 70 plus percent Hispanic and they are not doing well with the Hispanic vote. That is a major win for the Republicans. The question is, and this is up to you as the voter, I know you're exhausted, I know you're tired, pat yourself on the back for what you've done already because we did see some big wins. Here's where you come into play. What direction does the party take for moving forward? And I'm not just talking about Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or some other candidate for the presidential race. I'm talking leadership. Mitch McConnell is confirmed to be House Minority Leader again. Kevin McCarthy is on the road and the pathway to become Speaker of the House. Is that the type of leadership that we want that will stand firm against the Democrats? Is that what we're going to have to represent the party, to rally the troops and rally the party, to unite and to stay together and to fight against the mob that is the mainstream media and the Democrats and everybody else? Is that going to be the leadership that will do it or will they cower? And will the cowering continue in the Republican Party like we've seen for so many years? And is that what we get to look forward to for the next two years? I hope to God that that's not the case. Until then, we're back at it tomorrow. Make sure to be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst to change in your own community. Until then, this is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.